So I've got bad news and really just bad news. I was reading this week and I learned that a supermassive black hole capable of tearing the fabric of everything in its path apart is heading directly towards Earth at 110 kilometers per hour. And I know we don't really use the metric system here, but that's really fast. 110 kilometers per second. And I'm sorry I have to be the one to tell you this, but it's going to be here in just four billion years. We come across things like this all the time. We we're on our phone, scrolling through Twitter, scrolling through Facebook, and there's something really enticing. We call it clickbait. We come across it and it says, supermassive black hole heading directly towards Earth. And then we're like, oh no. We read it and then we're like, what the heck? That's not what that was. That's not what that's about at all. So what does, what does clickbait do? It draws us in. It entices us. It excites us. In this case, makes us terrified for our lives or something like that. But in the end, what happens is it is utterly disappointing to what the headline set it up to be. Are Jesus' words clickbait? Or maybe do you treat Jesus' words as clickbait? I'm going to read a passage from John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. One of Jesus' closest closest. Disciple Simon Peter makes this profound statement about Jesus' words. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, that is a profound statement, not only today, but especially for the situation they were in at that time as well. So what causes Peter to make such a profound statement? So earlier in John chapter 6, Jesus is preaching in front of a massive crowd, at least 5,000 people. It says 5,000 men, not including women and children. So thousands and thousands of people teaching them, and then they're hungry, and so he takes a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish, and miraculously transforms a few crumbs and a couple bites of fish into something that over 5,000 people can eat and be satisfied for. That is insane. You don't forget something like that. So these people are in awe. And it says, the text says later that they, when this happened, they were going to take Jesus and they were going to make him king by force. Imagine you go and someone feeds you a meal and you're like, that's my king right there. Okay, that's what's going on. Because what Jesus just did is absolutely insane. And they're waiting. The Jewish people, they are waiting for their Savior to come. And in their minds, the Savior was going to come and he was going to set them free from their Roman captivity. He was going to raise them up to where they can be powerful. The people that they, they ought to be again. That's what, they, that's what they thought. That's what their Savior was. And so Jesus, he goes away. The next day he comes back. That same crowd, they find him. They are hungry for more. They're hungry for more of what they got the day before. But this time, it doesn't go the way they want. 
Jesus presents a hard teaching, something that hard to understand, but really hard to carry out. And they don't like that. They don't like that at all. And so many disciples, once presented with something that doesn't fit their cookie-cutter agenda of who Jesus is supposed to be, they desert Jesus. And so Jesus, he goes up to his closest 12 disciples afterwards, and he says, so many people have left me. Are you going to leave me too? And that's when Peter makes this profound statement. What did he discover while being among Jesus that made him say what he said? So Jesus pretty much got canceled, as we would say in our time. However, in our society, someone has to, someone says something really uh, offensive or racist or whatever to get canceled. However, Jesus speaks truth here. So why does Jesus get canceled in this case? This time, it has nothing to do with what Jesus said, but more to do with the hearts of the people listening. What Jesus said did not fit what they wanted their Savior to be. And so because of that, they leave. That's not who they want. However, ironically, the crowd is correct in knowing and in, in thinking that Jesus is the Savior, but again, it doesn't fit who they think. And we do this all the time. So I'll ask the question again Do you treat Jesus' words as clickbait? And while at first we think about this and we go, Absolutely not, that's ridiculous. Well, we love that Jesus brings idea of equality and unity. But we don't like that in order to achieve that equality and unity, that means that we have to make self-sacrifices and do things for others. We love that Jesus brings grace and mercy and forgiveness, but we don't like that that forgiveness extends toward people that we don't think deserve it or people we would label as bad people. We love that Jesus, he brings freedom to the poor and to the sick, but we don't like that he actually challenged the educated, the rich, and those with higher educations, those powerful in society. We love that Jesus set us free by dying on the cross, by paying the ultimate sacrifice, by giving his life, but we don't like that he asks us to take up our crosses every day to follow him. So is Jesus clickbait? Absolutely not. Because in fact, Jesus makes it clear what it requires to follow him. The problem is, I shouldn't say the problem, our problem is it's not a cakewalk. And we don't like that. So I think the real question is, that I'll say again, do we treat Jesus' words as clickbait? Do we treat Jesus as this place that we can conveniently step into when we need it? Do we treat him as a savior that provides this enticing, soft, fluffy headline that serve our agenda and provide the outline for the life that we want? To many of us, we fall subject to this reality. And again, the issue comes back is we are still left empty when we put Jesus in this box. 
Because no matter the amount of, of work that I do, that we do, no matter the things that I have, that we have, no matter the experiences that you, that you might have, the reality is we are still left hungry and empty for a Savior. And when I treat Jesus this way, my grades are never good enough, no matter how much I study. I'm never a fast enough runner, no matter how much time I shave off. I'm never a good enough singer, no matter how much I practice. And I'm a selfish friend, a selfish son, a selfish fiance, a selfish brother. I can keep going because I am acting my life with my own agenda in mind. And that is never going to fill me up. It's never going to fill us up. So to whom shall we go? Let's choose today to take the next step in our walks with Christ. And this looks different for a lot of us. For some of us, we are so wrapped up in our schoolwork. We just want to graduate. We are so focused on this. How can you make sacrifices in that and spend more time? With Jesus. For some of us, we are so dedicated to our sport, and that's all we do, that's all we think about, that's all we care about, that's all we talk about. How can we spend more time with Jesus, have more conversations about Jesus, ask questions to grow in our faith? For some of us, we pour ourselves into our relationships, and, and we don't want people to get upset at us, and so we, we put other people's priorities in front of ours just so we can please them, so we can have good relationships. For some of us, it's our time. We don't want to give up our time. So I'm asking you this morning, whatever it is, I challenge you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Whatever it is that you need to give up. Because to whom shall we go? Because there is only one person who will make us complete, and that is Jesus. Thank you.